Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Stock Market Show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to Wealth Within Live, the Australian stock market show where you get to ask the questions and we give the answers about all things investing and trading. Now we hope you had a good day and are ready for what I'm sure will be another crackerjack show of our stock market show. It has been another interesting week on our market so tonight is sure to be another exciting show and our topic for tonight is, is dividend investing dead? Now, as always, we'll look at what's currently happening on the Australian stock market, give you our thoughts and answer your most burning questions, look at the stocks you're interested in, give you our expert opinion and a whole lot more. Hello, I'm Dale Gillen, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within and joining me tonight is Janine Cox, our Senior Analyst, and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Hi Dale, how are you this evening? Ah, oh, busy. You do look like you've been sweating today. I know. I've been up since 5.30 this morning. I've been, I spent about two hours talking to the US for getting these experts lined up for some exciting news that I'm going to tell everybody later. And then okay. I've been on the phone. And we, we are overrun with people at the moment, with people wanting to learn and mm. inquiring. So the phone hasn't stopped. I'm supposed to have today off. Didn't work. Yeah, well, so was I. How does that work? We both can't have the day off, so we, neither of us did. Now, you were supposed to work. I was supposed to have the day off. So, but anyway, let's keep going. Now, if you have a burning question for us, on the right of your screen is a chat box, so put your questions there. Remember to keep your comments tonight to something that is constructive and adds to the conversation so that we can assist as many people as possible with genuine questions. If tonight is your first time, then may I say a big hi to you and welcome. We're excited to have you with us and hope you enjoyed the show. Moving on, it is the second Tuesday in the month, and this means we look at the Australian stock market. We're well, looking at the indices. In particular, I haven't Oh, finished. sorry, I forgot. See, he's interrupting sorry. me already. And we are going to look at the indices on the Australian market. So that's the, um, the, two, the top 200. So let's have a look at some of those on our screen um, in a moment. Now I've just got to bring oh, those up. I know you've got to do it all again. Oh, okay, because I missed. Sorry, it's my fault, guys. I moved off the chart that no, she wanted. No, that's fine. Don't, you, it's great that you're taking responsibility for that one. <laughs> no, no, I did that. I did that. <laughs> okay, then. So on your screen there, you're going to see our sectors. So here we have uh, the S&P ASX 200 information technology sector, the materials sector, the industrials, consumer staples. I bet you some of you didn't know we had all of these things called sectors on our market uh, the, the classifications for different stocks that fit into these different sectors and often this is a way to look for you to help you look for different stocks in areas that might be performing so as I said at the top of the list information technologies made the biggest move so far for the week and the one that's the laggard at the bottom at the moment is healthcare at 0.43 now you could forgive healthcare for being a bit of a um, a slow mover for the week given what it's done over the medium to long term but Coming back now, we want to have a look at the month and see what the, um, the history is telling us over the month to see where the real moves are. Energy has had that rebound. We saw the energy sector move right into a major low um, recently with the um, effect of the coronavirus and a lot of energy stocks have had serious declines and we've now seen a bit of a rebound there. Um, information technology is right behind that at 14.86. Down towards the bottom is financials, a bit of a bit slow to get going, the financial sector, which is understandable at the moment with the banks lagging and there's talk of dividend cuts, hence the reason we've got the topic for tonight. Uh, I particularly am interested in the ones in the middle of the road. So we've got industrials there at around 7.2% for the month. And if industrials get going and start moving more strongly, then we could see the market as a whole move up. However, it's still a bit early to tell at this point. We have heard there's been talk that, um, that the, the government may 
pull, wind back some of the restrictions um, up when a decision's made in May. And I think the market's trying to factor some of that in. We've also see, seen a rebound in the energy sector with oil, and that's also created some enthusiasm in the market again. But there's a lot of opportunists out there looking for... Um, you know, I guess the bottoms of different sectors and stocks on the market at the moment, Dale. And so that's where the rebound's coming in. So the market can often rebound for a few weeks before you know whether the, it's going to then turn around and go back again or if it's going to continue higher. Well, we have been talking about that for the last few weeks. Yeah. Well, probably, we thought the downward move in it would be short-lived and basically the market fell three weeks roughly, mm. fell three weeks in price and then we've bounced the last couple of weeks. So that's really short lived, but I don't think at this point in time it's over. Mm -hmm. It really is not even over and, and we can probably talk about that a little bit more later in the show, but right now I think people are getting in trying to, you know, if you fear of missing out, but yep. what they're, they're living in, a, I think they're living in a false sense of reality. Our market's not gonna keep going up. Well, I'm finding that a lot of people who have perhaps haven't even been in the market for the medium to long term are jumping in there trying to pick a, a bargain, if you like, and get in there towards the bottom. So that's where what we see in every market cycle, the same sort of things happening. Mm. Yeah, it's just emotional reaction to the market at the moment. They're all trying to pick stocks and, and people mm. are saying, oh, look, I'm making money, I'm making money, and that's great. But they, what will happen is they're turning a good buy into a good buy. Yeah, Because when the market the turns, it'll go the other way and they'll get caught. And mm. people are saying, I'm buying this for the medium to longer term. And I went, well, that's great, but then you're going to get a stock that's most likely in the next month or so going to be lower than what it is today and then going to be holding on to it for a long time. And, and in or trying to make a decision about what to do. Well, yeah, because we're going to look at the market and say, are we going to have, there's different terminologies for market bottoms. Is it a V bottom? Is it a U bottom? Is it a W bottom? Mm. You know, you can have all sorts of other names from like sauces and cup and handles and spoons <laughs> and all sorts of rubbish. Um, but at the end of the day, it's what kind of bottom are we going to have? And right now, I don't think we've had the bottom. Mm. Um, and people are getting in that false sense of reality thinking, well, I'm making some money. But, and they'll go, oh, I'll jump out when it turns. But when do they know it's going to turn and how fast is it going to turn? Mm -hmm. That's the question. Yeah, um, I don't think that's on the mind of a lot of investors. I think it's no, more it's about what's cheap at the moment. Yeah, what they're they just bargain picking. Cheap. And mm. it's dangerous. And, mm. I mean, you know, we're 100% in cash. Mm. You know, that's, like, that's smart. Mm. But, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people doing a lot of silly things. Mm -hmm. But... But let's keep moving on anyway. As long as, oh, sorry, have you finished or are you going to look yeah, at I some think charts? Yeah, that's pretty... I, look, I wasn't going to go into too much detail. I could pick one perhaps um, So what are the sectors you'd be looking at for getting opportunities? Because there will be stocks that will do really well out of this and there will be stocks and sectors that won't do as well. Yeah, I, I think there's, there are different categories now of mm. sectors. So it's more about... And I guess there always have been because it's about what's the safe road yes. and what's the higher risk road. And you, you sort of pick sectors and stocks within sectors that are going to suit your risk criteria to a large degree. So if you're a bit more open to risk, then you perhaps look at some of the energy and materials type stocks and be waiting for those to provide good opportunities. I'm not saying buy now, but I'm just suggesting mm -hmm. that those are the generally the movers that we look for. What's interesting to me is consumer discretionary is actually yes. rebounded. So there's a whole lot of talk at the moment about this buying online has gone off. And I didn't know whether it was actually really material or whether it's more talk about the fact that that's happening to try to get out there and encourage more consumers to get online and start buying. Well, if everybody else is doing it, I should be doing it too sort of thing. Yeah, it's about the herd mentality. But right now, people, if, you, if you're still employed, you are saving more money. You can't not be saving more money because you're not going out eating, you're not going out on the town, you're not having, mm. you know, going to parties, you're not doing anything. You're staying at home, you're not going to the football. But that doesn't encourage me to get online and think, well, okay, no. now I've got to spend some money, I'm going to go shopping. No, I just... it doesn't me either. Mm. But what I'm saying is people's bank accounts are building up at the moment, the ones I mean, that are employed. Look, one thought that I did have had over the mm. past few weeks is to get out there and start buying for some of, from some of the local businesses. Well, I mean, I, I can make my food at home. I can also buy it from good um, cafes and restaurants mm. locally and help support them at this time. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I'm visiting about four different coffee shops every day. I'm in a different coffee shop getting a different Spreading coffee. Spreading the wealth around. Just go it? out for my quick cup of coffee, come back again, and then we're done. You know, mm -hmm. the takeaway, by the way, there's nothing. There was no croissant with that? No, no. I'm on a just diet. Checking, I'm on a diet. My wife got my wife got me on a diet. I must so. say you're looking trim and terrific at the moment. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so, but uh, look, so let's keep moving on. So unless you've finished out 
finished um, yeah, okay. with that. Have you finished with it? Thank you for being okay. so polite about it. Okay. Now it's time to get into your emails and we have been inundated with questions again. Unfortunately, we're unable to get to all of them. There were so many. And the first one that we have tonight, and we've tried to cram pack a few into the show and the director was a bit, come on, you guys better stick to your times tonight. So he will be cracking that whip on, on us behind the scenes. Mm. Um, this is from David who asks, what are your thoughts on how to interpret a divergence between the stochastic and the MACD? And that is MACD is on the up and the slow stochastic is on the way down. How do I read that? Any thoughts would be grateful, appreciated. The numbers, um, the number one show for shares in Australia. Oh, well, thank you. Cheers, David. <laughs> is that why you picked his question? That's why I picked his question because he said we were the number one show, but you can answer the question if you like. When, when I'm reading the question, David, I started to cringe. Um, because years ago when I first started looking at the stock market, everyone was looking at Stochastic and MACD. And now I guess anybody who tells me that they're looking at that, I think to myself, that is really, you're just looking at totally the wrong things. This is what a lot of short-term traders have tended to look at and rely on over time when they don't know how to analyse charts. And that's no nothing against you. It's just that this is what everybody did. And I think, I don't know that anybody who hasn't looked at it um, unless they've had their head in the sand at some point. It's all beginners do, and that's the thing is, it's the beginners, they get onto the chat forums, all those mm. freebie places, basically, it's where they can get information free. And there's tons of emails out there on all these indicators and how to use them, and they will go, wow, I just open a chart and there's this moving average on it, or a multiple moving average on it, or a MACD, or a Stochastic, or a Bollinger Band, or whatever they are. Mm. And they go, oh, these look really exciting, because us guys, we like V8s, and then we like mm. to soup them up. And if they're on our chart, we go, wow, this thought, is going to tell us I how to do I thought you this. like more, you know, um, prestige. Yeah, vehicles. I do. I do. But in okay. my younger days, right. it was souped up stuff, you know. Beautiful. So but that's really what people are doing. And so when they're looking at indicators, they're looking for this easy trading system. Mm. But the indicators are conflicting all the time. So he's talking about convergence, divergence, sorry, yeah. between those two indicators. That happens so often. It's mm. not funny. So how do you read that? It causes confusion. Mm -hmm. And then people put another indicator on and it's, it's, it's doing something different. So one indicator will tell you that it's bullish and we should be buying. Another one should be telling, saying it's bearish, we should be selling. Yeah. So that's where I found it as well in all my research. So basically, David, Janine's telling you to simplify your trading, throw those out, forget about it. Learn to read the charts with read the, my book. the bar charts. Yeah. yeah. Read his book. Yeah, that's yeah. A good if you start. can't read a bar chart, then all the indicators aren't really going to help you too much. And mm. you'll notice we look at charts with nothing on them at all and we start telling you what's going on. And we're right most of the time on those charts and that's using our, all of our years of knowledge and experience. So that's really what we're saying to you is use better tools and rules. So our next question it's from Jay. So he says, hey guys, first and foremost, you guys and your company are just great. And I like, and and I like many others, truly appreciate the content you all put out. Thanks, matey. Um, now my question for this week's show was thoughts or opinions on oil search and uh, Santos. Mm. Stay safe and thanks again for keeping us well informed. Kindest regards, Jay. So we're going to look at, I think it's all search. We're going to look at one. We just yep. don't have enough time to cover all the questions in the stocks tonight. They are, seriously, there's lots of them. Now, looking at the chart there, I've got oil search up on the screen. This is interesting, really, looking at oil search because it's had a really checkered history. It's not an easy stock to trade. It, it used to be. I, it I used remember to be, back, yeah, used back to be in beautiful. the day, you know, after the correction to 2003, it was oh. just lovely the way that it unfolded. But then things started to go haywire. Um, this is not long. This is around the G, time of the GFC, and you'll notice how it, the personality of the stock changed. It, it traded in this sideways zigzag move. Eventually, it took off again, but still resumed this sideways zigzag move, and that's because of where it was in the overall pattern on the stock and you'll notice now it's just dropped out of bed along with the coronavirus but it wouldn't matter what it was whether it was coronavirus or whether it was something else this stock was heading in that direction anyway it was going to do what it was going to do it just just the veracity of the fall was pushed along by the coronavirus and eventually you know you can see what's happened there but mm. let's have a look just to see how far this stock has fallen because if you if you think a stock's been going up and and you've got money on it never um, fall into a false sense of reality thinking that it can't have a dramatic fall along the way which if you're looking at the share now you can see an 81% decline to the low and it is trying to recover at the moment but it's been struck because mm. of the, the sector that, oil's that it's not in. Gonna, it, oil's not going anywhere. I mean yeah. OPEC have come to the agreement to reduce the, the, the daily production 
down by just under 10 million barrels. Mm. But that's not going to, going to be anywhere near enough to get rid of the supply because there's less demand right across Europe now because nobody's travelling. Yep. Normally you see it's, kick it's up It's a double whammy, right? It's a double it's, whammy. It's the war so, going on in oil plus yep. this whole thing. Demand's really way down. Coronavirus, which um, has helped And it. looking at that, I, and I looked at the charts of light sweet crude yesterday, Brent oil and obviously mm. West Texas crude and heating oil futures, and all of the charts look terrible. Yeah. They all look really, really bearish. And I was chatting with Jim today on the show, and you can, they can watch today's US report, and we talk a bit about this. The shale oil producers in the US, I reckon they're going to be absolutely out of luck. The things hit the fan, and they're probably going to... It'll gonna consolidate. Yeah, mm. it'll consolidate the industry. So I don't see a lot of good news for oil search and Santos. Mm. There's a lot of oil at the moment. I don't think oil prices are going to go anywhere too much. Well, look, America's next... being hit hard, mm. isn't it? Not just with the coronavirus, but with what's happening to the mm. shale. Yeah. So, you know, looking at um, oil search at the moment, I don't... I wouldn't be putting my money in that for sure. There no. is no rule or rhyme or reason for wanting to get into it. But it's not to say that it that it couldn't recover at some point. So at some you know point, it will, but, not right but it's now. just a question of when. Mm. Yeah. So it's one for the watch list for later on. All right, let's do to the next question, Janine. We've got an email from Ryan who says, Thanks, Dale, love the show. Hey Dale and Janine, just had a question regarding two similar ETFs. Why has VAS increased in value over the last few years um, compared to A two hundred? Um, so much. So let's just have a look at VAS. This is the Vanguard Australian Shares Index ETF. Uh, now, it's just had an incredible fall, pretty much mirroring our market. So this is what you would expect from an ETF that is is just um, doing that. So it's actually fallen th around 38% as part of the fall, but it's recovering nicely at the moment. So only 24% down from the high. So you can see this overall shape in the past is very much our market. Uh, moving on. Now, I was going to overlay the A200 on a line chart over the top of that so people could see that. Are you able to do that oh, quickly? Okay. I forgot to do it. My yep. fault again. Get the swear jar out. I should have the naughty jar, shouldn't I now? Because I should have done that. But I just wanted to show you the difference between them overlaying one on top of the other, if you can see Well, I that. didn't hear you swear, and I'm the adjudicator for the swear jar, but I just happened to have it here today. So oh, you stole and it. I just wondered... You know, it's pretty have empty. you taken some money out of it? Because it is a bit empty. I needed coffee. <laughs> <laughs> My wife doesn't give me any money, so I steal it from there. <laughs> so everything's tap and go now, guys. I think I'd better it? start recording how much okay. he's put in there. All right. All right, then. Um, so looking at that, you can see that I've got an overlay on there of the A200 index. Do you index. want to bring that up full screen so we can yeah, see it a bit easier? You have to get a um, magnifying glass there to see what's going on. So as you can see there, it's pretty much following it here. Yeah, so I mean, it, I don't know, mm -hmm. I'm not really seeing what he's talking about because it's saying he's saying two similar ETS wires VAS increased in value over the last few years compared to the A200 so much. I'm not, they look like they're tracking each other. Yeah, look, I'll just double check that, but it is, um, there yeah. we got, yeah, the, it's the beta shares, yeah. Australian um, 200 ETF. So that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, they look like that. And they should be tracking roughly yeah. the same because they, if they're doing the same thing, on the All Lords or the XJO, the A200, they should all be doing the same thing. But again, yeah. you Similar. know my views on index ETFs, they're a waste of time. You might as well just buy the top 10 shares and you'll get better returns. So if you're not sure, read my book. You'll figure out um, from that why. Um, but the next question we've got, um, it's an email from Steve. Hi, Steve. Um, he says, hi, Dan Janine and Dale. I really enjoy your show and, and learn a lot. Would you be able to review Amcor AMC on the monthly chart? It was in a medium-term sideways trend before falling 40% quickly since 1 February 2020. Um, on the weekly chart has been in a short-term uptrend since March, and an uptrend will confirm if it trades above $13.70. So I would really be interested in some brief comments regarding the gaps on the way down. Okay, the gaps girl is sitting right next to me. Um, and on the weekly chart, notice that it filled the gap on the way up. Uh, is this relevant? Thanks. All right. Now, first of all, I give you 10 points for, for saying, let's look at the monthly chart first. Well done. As long as your answer's not that. as brief as his email. <laughs> okay, my answer has to be briefer. Okay, so you're looking at the top of the chart, you can see all of the highs there. So we did talk about Amcor either last week or the mm. week before and how this is a very toppy pattern, typical of what you will learn in Module 5. You'll see... Um, that when stocks make this sort of pattern that you would expect a significant fall to event. If, if you start to see signs that it's going to reverse and turn down as we did here, this was 
um, as early as um, February when, when markets started to turn down, the key point was as soon as it took out this low, then it was more likely to take out that low. And that's what we saw with Amcor. But it's bounced back pretty quickly. And Amcor has been really strong over mm. time. So, you know, I'm not surprised that it's actually held up well, but I still think that this risk on the downside, given the strength of resistance overhead, so yeah, there's a lot of it resistance. may be short-lived mm. um, with Amcor at the moment. So... Um, Looking at that, I've noticed that you were talking about the weekly chart and you mentioned trends. So I had to pick up on this. We've got the gap here. OK, so what it's doing at the moment is it's moved up to fill the gap. Generally, I would have preferred to see stocks that have gaps not fill them so early. And the reason for that is when they do, often they can just come down and take off on the downside from there. You'll see there's a gap here between last week's bar and this week's bar that needs to fill Otherwise, if the, the stock keeps going up, we're definitely going to see a move we'll definitely back, see a move down. you know, stronger. So look, at the moment, um, and the bars are getting shorter. So last week's bar, look at the range of the bar relative to the prior range of the mm. previous bars getting shorter, slowing down. So have a look at the volume in relation to that as well. But I won't bring it up on the chart right now. But look, I, it's just like the rest of the market. We're just seeing the moves up. The market or stocks are testing particular levels. Short-term traders are going to try to take profits at some point soon. And then we could see the, the market and these stocks pull back. But it's all about perception, right? And so the market's trying to factor in what could happen and whether the government could pull back or wind back some of the laws that they've put in place I don't think anybody the knows what's going to happen. And that's the, well, that's there's the a issue. lot of experts or so-called experts saying that if they do that, and they're saying that because we mm. didn't actually allow the virus to spread, that we won't build immunity within the population. And therefore, if it goes for a second wave, that it could hit us harder. So there's a lot of people that are saying that it's too soon to release it. It because we're going to be right in the middle of flu season, which mm. is the worst potential possible time for this to happen. But, you know, it depends on oh, a lot a of balance. things. It depends yeah. on a lot of controls that they put in place from external people coming in and out of the country, flying from one state to the other or yeah. travelling. We could be all night arguing about this, can't mm. we, talking we could. about it. And it's That's right not now. what really is really important mm. to people mm. at the moment. It's just that there is still a lot of uncertainty in the market. And when that happens, there is a mm. ch chance that people could make some short-term money out mm. of the market, but then they could get bitten. Mm. Um, all right, so we're going to go tune to the chat and start to answer your questions in the chat. Now, I've written a whole list of um, stock codes there, so I'll just start bringing them up. So you put them in. The yep. first question we got from George, who says, Hi, Dale and Janine. ASX looks like it fell harder and slower to recover compared to the US. Should I skip and just invest in the US? No, no, no. Simple answer is the US does that all the time. The US, and this is what a lot of people misunderstand about the US. It's more volatile than our market. So generally it'll fall further and bounce higher. So when you look, compare our market to the US over a long period of time, we pretty much track each other. So you're seeing that US took off and what we're doing is we're playing catch up to them right now. But um, just going into the US, just because you think it's running harder and faster and it will continue to do so, is not necessarily gonna be a smart move in my book. And uh, right now I think the US is looking seriously sick um, and I might tell you about that a little later, but right now I don't like it at the moment. All right. Um, I'm losing we're, my voice. Going, I've been yeah, chatting since 5.30. this whole show tonight. Woohoo! Um, PNV. So we've got um, Polymovo Limited, PNV. Now we can see the monthly chart there. It's been quite volatile. A big move here from... Now I've got to speed up a bit, <coughs> I've been told. So 61% decline. It's actually recovered almost half of that in the current move. I didn't ask the question though. But that's okay, because we're just talking about the stock while you're looking at what you're looking at. So here we go. We can see that um, Polynovo is looking quite strong there, but still like the rest of the market, too early to tell. If it actually um, meets mm. resistance around this zone at 230, 240, stops and turns back down, that's still going to be a normal move. And that, this is where it's going to get challenging for people. People are going to be thinking when stocks start pulling back that the market could capitulate and fall further. But even then, it doesn't necessarily mean that the stocks will fall further. It's just the test that needs to happen to confirm that it's going to rise again. So that's what we really need to see. But at the moment, um, look, there's no reason to be buying it. There are no rules there to enter it at the moment. So it's just a wait and see if you don't own it. Um, if you, have, you own it and you've held on to it, well, look, you know, at the moment, you'd just be making sure you manage your risk and, and have a... Um, tr if you've learned about trend lines in Dale's book, then maybe that's something that you can look at. Otherwise, um, yeah, just be careful. Uh, next stock. 
Come on, move AGL. on. We're going to AGL, get you on AGL, AGL we're looking for Caleb. At, um, look, I tend to like Hang on, I've got to ask the question. You run into it. I've got to okay. ask the question. I get yelled at if I don't ask the question. <laughs> okay, Caleb's saying, hi, Dale and Janine. Thanks for offering such a helpful show week after week. Looking at AGL for my watch, it seemed to recover well from the crash. Okay. Is it nearing the end of its long downtrend? Okay, you can go. Okay, now when you say recover well from the crash, when we've seen other stocks, probably mm. hasn't recovered quite as well as some of the mm. stocks out there at this stage. In the last couple of weeks, it's really trading sideways. So quite a lot of indecision. You can see there the last few bars really not gaining anything. I'd expect that it will trade up to around the... Uh, now I have to squint here. Maybe I need to magnify myself. Uh, around the $19 mark there, it, it's got a reasonable probability of getting there. And if the market stays a bit buoyant, then I expect that to happen. But if some negative news comes out about the coronavirus or what's going to happen to industry, then I'd expect that this could be a bit difficult for, for AGL. But looking at it, um, still long term, the trend's down. So there's no reason to be looking to be purchasing this stock at this mm. stage, still high risk. And just to show you the history of what this stock does and why it could be high risk is because it just does this rubbish for a long period of time. There are trends where the stock moves up nicely and then again, just this sideways for a long period of time. So this is why this sort of stock is definitely not good for, for holding on to. No. Um, if you can get into some of these runs and trade it mm. on the medium to longer term, then you're doing well. And there are some good rules for that if you learn right. how. So now so we've got ASX, a quick... No, 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 no. I'm quiet. running the questions here. So you just sit there and be quiet for a second. I was hoping he'd lose his voice. No. <laughs> um, Todd's asking, hi, Dale and Janine, just wondering about the three-stage cycle of the stock market. And I know you know a lot about this. You have said we were in maybe stage two previously. Does current circumstances re reset us back to stage one or C? Look, I would say after a correction mm. like we've seen and with the banks being uh, unfolding as they have, I think it's a mixed, a really mixed bag in our market. And I have to say that we're still, it's still uncertain as to whether we've moved into stage two, in my opinion, from here. Uh, if you look at all the major corrections, there's always a bounce afterwards or at least a number mm. of months up before you know whether that first part's over. Would you agree? Mm. 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 So very good question though, isn't it? Very really, good. It really, really so shows that people are really thinking. It's not just, oh, can you have a look at this stock and should I buy it? Yeah, and the thing mm. is, that's what we ask you to do is to think about what you're doing, not just blindly follow everybody else. And we like to challenge you to think and we like you to challenge us to think as well because the more you challenge us, the more we're actually going to give you and help you understand what the market's about and, uh, and how you can take control of your money and obviously invest better and, and make smarter decisions. So the next question we got is on Macquarie Group from Nick and I think there's a couple of people okay. asked him out Macquarie Group. Nick's yep. saying, hi Dale and Janine, love watching the show every week. Thanks matey. Um, and was wondering if you'd be able to look at Macquarie Group for me. Thanks. Yeah, look, this is often asked on the show. Great stock, mm. great company. I think at the moment, though, it's like everything else. It's in, in a bit of a stalemate situation with the uncertainty around the coronavirus because they make a lot of money from um, a lot of the, the activity across business and markets and, and, and mergers and acquisitions. A lot of deals get done and Macquarie involved in a lot of those. So you're looking at Macquarie. There is some optimism there just off the bottom, but it's not a huge, um, a huge rise by any means given the fall. So we have seen, let's just have a look at the degree of the decline on Macquarie we saw a 54% correction. So it's important to have a look at the market as a whole and compare how mm. the stocks fared. And if it's more or less in line with the market, which you know it has been in line, then um, looking at the recovery is also as important. So we're not quite halfway along the line of that recovery from Macquarie no, yet. Yeah. Macquarie needs to yeah. be lending money. That's yeah. what it does. And, and look, it could actually start to move up a bit further, mm. I think, because it's all about the perception of where mm. things are going again. So it could get to between 110 and 120 in the short mm. term. Uh, but I would actually prefer to see it bounce down. I'd rather see it rise for the rest of the week, maybe into early next week, and then, and then a bit of a <coughs> pullback because that's a more orderly um, move on a recovery. Okay, that's enough of the questions for the moment. We'll come back to okay. you in a second with all in a few minutes with the, the more chat questions, but thanks for putting them in. Now it's time to get into our subject for tonight's show, which is, is dividend investing dead? Now for as long as I can remember, there has been a general practice by investors, especially retirees, to invest in high dividend paying stocks. 
And we could argue whether this strategy has been a good strategy or a bad one. If you held banks, it was often a good strategy, but if you had, some, had something like Telstra, it was often a bad decision. Now with banks having fallen heavily in price in the past five years, we see that their dividend yields have become even more attractive and your eyes are probably going to pop when you see mm. what I'm about to show you. But what, and it's nothing, um, you know, um, that shouldn't be on in the I was gonna say, I hope you keep your clothes on. Gee. It's not, look, if you know us, we've known each other for a long time, so that comment's okay. But what is the use of getting, and that's why I'm going red like my top, but what is the use of getting 5% when your stock is falling significantly more than the dividend? Now, from their 2015 highs, banks are down approximately as follows. Okay, here we go. ANZ down 55%, Commonwealth Bank 35%, NAB 56%, this is to this week, Westpac 59%, and believe it or not, they were down lower than that as part of the correction with the coronavirus. So what's happened? Dividend yields are up, ANZ 9%, CBA 6.7%, NAB 9.3%, and Westpac 96 Now what does this do to mums and dads? It gets them to think, wow, I can make a lot of money out of dividends, I should be buying these stocks, which contributes to the bounce off the bottom of these shares. Only somewhat, but it does. But what ends up happening with dividends? They're going to get cut. And mm -hmm. so we've already heard rumours around the dividends at the moment in that the dividends will be cut. So these current market conditions are really making it difficult for the banks and obviously the government's worried about them. So, so your dividends are not only in jeopardy of being reduced, but in some cases, the danger of being canceled altogether. So this begs the question, does the practice of dividend investing still have a place in your investment strategy? Now, look, I think yes, but it depends in mm -hmm. what context, because I think, um, Post the GFC, people held onto the stocks yeah. for their dividends or they jumped back in to get stocks for their dividends. But they didn't think, okay, this could happen again and we could see another correction that could wipe out their dividends. So if, you're, if you were getting, say, $200, for example, from bank dividends every time you got a dividend, if they go and cut dividends, it could be half that. So the actual amount that you're going to receive will be less, but the yield will drop back to what's considered normal as a percentage. Um, so it's not, APRA came out saying that, okay, banks should cut their dividends, right? And, and so, and that's a, probably a good strategy because it makes the banks not seem like the bad guys. And so the, the, the industry yes. is saying that this is what we need to do. But in actual fact, they were going to do it anyway because no bank is going to be paying out that amount of dividends to an investor. It just doesn't happen. So why do they leave it sitting there like that? Well, it's a part of good capital management for a company to look at what the future's going to hold. Mm. Okay, So they look at the cash that they've got, all the cash reserves they've got. They look at their future income, the contracts that they've got, all those sorts of things to say, well, how are we going to plan our expenditure next year? How are we going to run our business? Are we going to do acquisitions next year? Are we going to pay a, bet a better dividend next year? All of those things. But if you're the CEO of any company in Australia, you're going to be going, I have absolutely no idea what we're going to be doing in six months' time because mm. we don't even know if the government's going to allow us to trade or whether we're going to open stores or we're manufacturing or we've got whatever's going on. And that's this big unknown right now. So as a company, are you going to push out dividends? No. You're going to be keeping the war chest full mm. as much as you possibly can because you don't know how long this thing's going to last. Correct. You don't and you don't know if you're going to be out of mind. You don't know whether you're going to be able to manufacture things. You don't even know whether you're going to be able to import things to, to build things. So yep. your supply chain is completely interrupted right now. You know, you can't get stuff. You know, we're finding it hard to get all sorts of electronic stuff at the moment for computers and everything else. So to me, investors relying on a dividend yield now of if they're saying, well, I can buy the bank and I'll get 9%, and they think in their head, I'm getting 9% for the next year. No, you're not. Mm. It will probably get cut, and it may even get cut No, I reckon it will get cut. It will get cut. It wouldn't cut. be logical for them to pay that yeah. out. So our argument always is when you're looking at stocks, you should always go for growth first, dividend second, never go for dividend first. Yeah. And I, and that's the biggest mistake mm. we find a lot of investors do. And even buy and hold investors, they go for dividend yield. Dividend yield, companies that pay more dividend generally aren't as high growth companies. And a lot of people don't understand that. And they also don't understand a lot of times that a company paying a high or dividend high yield. Can I just say, like those oh. high dividend yields. Mm. Um, could mean that the company is high risk. But if correct. people are filtering just for dividends, they're not seeing both sides of the picture. Correct, mm. correct. And that's really what we're saying, um, everybody, is just because just something's paying a high dividend doesn't necessarily make it attractive because what if the banks fall another 30% and you've gone into them thinking you're going to get 7, 8, 9, 10% out of the bank and what if they fall 30% over the next 12 months 
and then their dividend yields get cut to 4% or 3%, and then you're now you're down 27% after yep. you take it off your 3%. So it really is looking at stocks that are going to grow over the coming years and getting to those first, and if they pay a good dividend... That's a bonus. Then, then mm. that's a bonus. But there's other things that you can do, or there are things you can do, that might help you get better income levels. So, and yeah, buying and selling a, a stock for profit is income. It really is. Mm. It's you know, if you buy a stock at a dollar and sell it for three dollars, that extra two dollars is, in theory, income. So don't just yeah. think income comes in the form of a dividend. It comes in the form of capital gain when you sell, um, and then you bank the profits, and then you go back into the marketplace. But it's a different mindset, mm. isn't it? And I think a lot of people have been brainwashed to think hey. that you should, and it's the easy option. It so is. people do what's easy. So just plonk your money there. Go up. Right up and down with all the waves, get some dividends along the way. But if the fall, mm. if the share falls fifty percent, well, that's okay because I'm still getting dividends. Well, I think they think right. of it of as an interest rate, like on a term deposit. I'm guaranteed I'm going to get this, regardless of what the stock price does. Yeah. So they focus on that rather than buying. But a good I wonder, company. right? If you went to the bank and said, okay, I want to give you my money as a term deposit, and I want to get you know three percent or four percent. But my, the risk is that you might not give me it all back when I walk up to the counter next time. I might end up with 50% less. Would you actually do it? No, I don't think people would. No. But because of the way people think about the stock market, they just, I um, mean, it's, it, it, it could be gambling, really, mm. when you think about it that way. Mm. Mm. All right. So that's all we want to sort of cover tonight because, as I said, we've got a lot of, a lot of emails and a lot of questions that you want to ask. So we try to condense our topic for tonight. So, but if you do have more questions on dividends, let us know and we'll handle them next week. Um, and then we can move further through other shows moving on. But let's get into another email. Uh, and this one's from Angus who says, Hi, Dale. Hope you are well and thanks for the awesome video on YouTube. Thanks, mate. Um, it's very easy to understand and simple direction to begin and like me i'm a very new investor even i am in my 30s i started very late and made a few mistakes already in my investing poor timing as well as learned some bad habits from some forums to suck me into bboz and recognize i made a really bad move to try and catch the bottom i bought bboz at average at 16 dollars making a big loss so far may i have some advice from you that should i cut loss and get some blue chip company for long term or should I hold but I'm not educated enough to predict how the chance of a second dip so I can recover some losses anyways happy Easter and great work many thanks Angus so mm. long question but good question isn't it so he's now he's gone onto a chat forum mm -hmm. he's in taken what they've said and he's bought yep. into BBOZ which is a hedge yep. fund mm -hmm. yeah yep so and we've seen how that's gone up with the market falling away now at the moment the market's rising BBOZ's falling away and he's at a loss. So yeah. that tells me he's bought at the end of the up move. Mm -hmm. He's followed the herd. So people were pushing this BBOZ to get everybody into it and now it's turned and gone the other way. So yeah. what are your thoughts? Yeah, so what you're saying is he's just bought it just recently with that current rise. Well, my guess is he's, he's in a loss. So he's bought it after the big jumps already. Mm. So, but my thinking is right now, I think this, this will turn and go the other way. I think, sorry, I think... The market will fall away, so I don't think you're going to be too badly off. I don't think so. But um, really, these sorts of stocks for newbies like you, um, they're probably ones you should stay right out of because they can be quite volatile and not necessarily easy for you. And probably the biggest mistake you've had or you made was getting on a chat forum. I think I think the best thing anybody can do mm. is go and look at the, a chart. Mm. And look at a long-term term chart if your online broker will allow you that data history and have a look and see whether the price is rising or if it's falling. And if it looks like it's just trying to come off a bottom, just remember that you don't want to be one of the suckers that try to get in at a low, especially when you don't quite have the knowledge to know when to, to sell it, because yeah. most people can buy. It's easy to press a button to do it, but to sell is the harder part. So, look, I just feel for you at the moment that you've had this experience, but it's a good thing that mm. potentially you've got to look at it that way because you've learnt something and you, you're not going to make the same mistake again. And that's a positive. So going forward from that, I, I think in the short term, it's going to come back a bit further. There is a chance it could rebound after this pullback, but we won't know until this gap's filled on the yeah. weekly chart. Now, I sort of am a bit, you know, reluctant to, to, I was a bit reluctant to say that in a way because it could, because with some people, if you say that a stock's coming back and it's going to rebound, that they might they hang on. make, you know, but you're not yeah. to make a decision on anything we say because we're not giving you personal financial advice here. This is purely just about, you know, our mm. opinions on what a, what a stock or market is likely to do based on the chart that we're looking at. 
So it's really a decision you've got to make. So whatever, you knowing what you know now, you've got to think about, well, how am I going to manage my risk going forward and what decisions would I like to make today that potentially are going to bring me forward into the future? Now, I would say, did he say he'd read your book or not? No. So I would say the first thing to do is read the book mm. and the next thing to do is decide in the future if you really want to get into the market, you need some structured training to know mm. how to get into the stock safely. Mm. So that's really what it is. Stay and with blue chips too. Yeah. Mm. All right, so that's BBOZ. Now, before I get into the next email, remember to hit that subscribe button now. And whilst you're there, give us a big thumbs up and click on the button, please. On the like button, yeah. <laughs> okay, now we have an email from Kim. Hi, Kim. And um, he's Kim or she, I'm not sure. Hi, love your YouTube channel. I have never traded shares and would like to enter the market. For a beginner, would you advise using a share pack from Comsec? Regards, Kim. Big I know. Sigh on that one. I know. Sorry, you want to, You can answer it. I thought we'd answer this one together. Okay. Um, basically, well, what a share pack is. But is... Ladies before gentlemen. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Dale will tell you the what is. First of all, I'm going to say that I think that what happens with investors, we get these questions all the time, and Dale will have said to you that you know the biggest thing we get asked is how do you select stocks and and what do we buy. And I think what Comsec have tried to do is make it easier for people in that regard, in that with these packs, you know, they give you a packet of stocks, which Dale will explain. So it takes that process out of it for you, but then it leaves you with a whole lot of questions after that. So how do you manage the stocks from there? What do you do? You still Are you still really any better off? And that's the real real question that you need to ask yourself um, seriously. Yeah, well, well, basically the share pack is a selection of stocks that they already have. So you go to the website and you can go, oh, that pack and it's got these stocks in there and you just hit the button and put your money and they put you into all of those stocks. My challenge with that is those stocks may not be a buy. They may have been recommended a month ago or six months ago and they may not still be a buy, but they're just putting people into From our into, perspective. From our mean, perspective, yeah. yeah. Mm. So what is what is the reason behind those stocks? Is this a long-term thing? Is it a medium-term thing? And people going into it blindly, like you said, they don't know what they're buying or how to manage it. Mm. So just because you buy shares doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make money out of them. Um, and so I mean, you could look at it two ways. People are yeah. going to buy some stocks anyway. Yeah. So, you know, maybe what Comsec have tried to do, and I haven't looked at the stocks that are in those packs, but maybe what they've tried to do is put people into some of the big safe stocks. Well, they do more but, sector investing, depending mm. on how much money you've got. So if you've only got a small amount of money, they obviously can't do sector investing, but they tend to spread your money across yeah. different sectors. And so, so whilst there's some validity in what they're doing, you know, I think people just read my book, they'll be able to do it better. You yeah. still become like a beggar of fish rather yeah, than the are. fisherman, essentially, yeah, don't absolutely. you? Absolutely. Mm. So, yeah. That's, that's what we would suggest. Um, the next question we got, I'm not sure who's it's f uh, from actually, but it says, Hi Dale, always enjoy your YouTube videos. What's your opinion on um, gold ETF and holding for the long or short term? Thanks, Trish. So, gold ETF. Right, so gold ETF. Long or short term? Interesting. All right, so this is the physical gold. Now, yeah. at the moment, it's looking great. So, gold has just done extremely well. Um, over recent times because of all the fear in the market. And this particular ETF is looking really nice. Um, so look, I would say that a certain time ago, this has presented a number of buy signals mm. on its way up. So if you were holding this, you'd still be holding it. Um, if you ha weren't in it now, then to me, this wouldn't be a signal to be buying it right now. It'd be a signal to be watching watching closely and having a proper exit strategy on it so that you can lock in some profit when it starts to pull back. I don't think I'd be holding it long term though. No. I think it'd be if I did get into this now or into the near future, it'd be short term for philosophy for me for buying gold at the moment. Because you've seen how vertical the chart is and that says to me, eventually that, that increased buying will run out because people will just stop buying this ETF and then it'll start to fall away again. But right now it's looking bullish, so hang on to it. Um, but let's move on to yep. the next question. Okay, so the next one says, Hi Dale, have you any thoughts on whether the large number of people planning to access $10,000 on their superannuation early due to the COVID-19 will impact stock prices in general? Many thanks and appreciate the information that you are putting out there. Thanks again, Martin. Okay, so people can access $10,000 this side of 30 June. They can access another $10,000 on the other side of 30 June. I don't see them putting it in the stock market. No. I really don't see him putting it in the stock market. You know, and like if you're without a job and your your work situation has been affected, then you're going to want to put that as a buffer potentially because, to, well, yeah. to pay your expenses. And if make you're sure working, you're not allowed your... to do it. So you yeah. have to be unemployed, I think, isn't that the, the I'm not sure. That, I know that if you've been or impacted financial. by the, the yeah. COVID-19, but I'm not sure of the exact criteria. But 
Look, I mean, I think it's important that they've actually done that to help people. Mm. You know, for, long, for a long time, there have been so many arguments saying that they should do that if people get into strife, allow them to access some of their money. Um, but, and $10,000 is a reasonable amount. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, the COVID vi virus situation that we're underneath now is a different situation. It's not like you just made a bad decision and you've lost a lot of money yeah. and then you, yeah. you go to, hey, can I get some of my super? This is something that has been out of everybody's control. So, so the bottom line is we really don't think that that no. is going to have an impact on the stock market at all. No, but thanks, Martin, for a good question. I think yeah. there's been... We've Thinking had some outside absolute, the box. I, I know just... we've had some ripper questions tonight, but let's go back into the chat and see what other questions we've got here. So right. we've got one from Jai who's asking about Woodside. So we'll have a bit of a look at that. Yep. Um, Woodside just... we've looked at before. Every so often we, we look at Woodside. Yeah, he's now, got no question. Okay, no question. So you've left it completely open to me. That's a dangerous okay. thing to do, Next. you realise. <laughs> You're not going to answer the question. So well, there's a warning. answer. So this is a warning. Just make sure you ask a good question. Um, all right, so looking at Woodside, you can see their long-term downtrend. So that means from a high to the low here, it's getting lower, long-term downtrend in place. Um, big question mark as to whether it will actually be able to push back up through about $26, $25, At the moment, it's looking like it's trying to do that. This week's bars for early days yet. Big gap here on the weekly chart that could be filled. Um, perhaps it will f move up in the next couple of weeks to fill that gap and then we could see a real test of whether it's going to continue to rise in the short term. As you're probably wondering, there is a gap further up. I would like to see that gap filled more medium term, not in the short term because if the stock moves up too fast and heads to that gap, I think it just means it's going to come back right. in a big way. So look, let's see if we can, um, if Woodside can have an orderly recovery and then a, a rebound back down towards the um, 18 to 20 dollar mark to retest the recent low that would be nice to see of Woodside yeah. but at the moment there's nothing there to buy there's you know if you were holding yeah. the stock then you're on the hope and pray method at the moment really that's what that means having held through that decline all right so we've got 15 minutes left so okay. let's see how many stocks we can get through in 15 minutes because there is a lot of questions here so CSL so CSL, got, that's yep. the big um, beauty Giuliano. of the stock market at the moment. It's done incredibly well, held up really nicely. If you held this stock right now, then you would continue to hold the stock until it tells you otherwise. So, of course, still have rules in place. Don't think that any stock that's held up well is totally immune from having a decline. That's not the case. They can always fall. It's just a question of whether this stock's going to take out that all-time high, which it could do. But, I, again, I, I want to see a bit of a retest of these prior levels that it's traded at around the, um, what is it, the $300 mark. I'd like to see it come back to 310 300 and then make mm. another move up, but it may not. It might go straight up. Okay, yep. Bryson says, hi, team XRO or zero. Okay, we've had that, haven't we, a couple yeah, of times? He's asking, is on a PE 4,198.9 at the moment, what does a PE that high mean? Okay, um, look, basically it means that all the data <laughs> doesn't mean much, does doesn't it? Doesn't mean much. Um, you can't really go by the fundamentals. And this is why the in these times when price action is moving really quickly, the fundamentals are going to be really slow to catch up to what's happening. And it's really the price action that you're going to be relying on. And as a general rule, we filter stocks with mm -hmm. fundamentals, but we always look at the price chart first to see what the direction is telling us and where the money's actually going. And right now, this stock's holding up really nicely. Last week was a really solid move. Up. It actually yeah. rose. Uh, let's have a look at the percentage off the low here. So a strong rise, about 18% gains for the week. This week, though, it slowed right down. And this is where you can get sucked into stocks thinking that the stocks had a big move. It'll be, you know, they'll be talked about on different forums or on by different brokers. And then people will think it's just going to go straight back up and it may not. So yeah. right now, it's too early to tell on this one. Well, how can the S&P 500 in the US rise 12% in one week and it's best gain since the 1970s, like 30, 40-something years, mm. one week, but being pretty ordinary the next week? In this market, how can it do that? Yeah. And how can it sustain that kind of stuff? It's not possible. Mm. So And so we do see that. But this does look really, really good. Yeah. Next stock, SCG for Matt. Matt's asking, what do you think of SCG? Big fan of the show. We're a big fan of you, Matt. Thanks, Matty. Okay, so S-Centre Group, we can see there, uh, it's fallen out of the bottom of a sideways move. It's in a bit of difficulty, I would say, looking at the share price right now. And I wouldn't be looking at this or touching this for some time yet. So from the high, let's just have a look at where it fell from the all-time high here in July 2016. 75% of its value, it's now recovered to about 61%. In the recent decline, similar to what the market's done, but um, you mm. know, around 50% currently to where the price action is. 
opportunists might think that it's going to move back up and rebound, but what's happening with these shopping centre type companies at the moment, um, I would say they're going to struggle for a while. So, oh, Look, mm -hmm. I think they will struggle for a while. They've bounced a little bit, but I think there's a lot of retailers that are probably going to close up. There's going to be consolidation. Don't you think it's going to change the habits of a lot of people? They're not going to be as keen to go to the shops, do you think? Well, that's what I was talking about with some of these guys today in New York, and I'll mention two in a minute, is people are just, you know, you don't know who you're standing next to. You don't know whether you're standing next to somebody. They might have a nice smile on their face and may look welcoming, but mm. you don't know whether they've got the coronavirus. Yeah. And whether you're going to get it so people will but people's habits are changing you know they say your habit will change in 21 days we've been mm. in lockdown for 21 days true so we're now changing habits so online bricks and and bricks and mortar retailers are having a huge shift supply chains are shifting how we mm. do things are shifting you know so i think we're going to get a whole change in here but it's interesting but some of these shopping centres, I'd be worried if i was mm. the shopping centres you know because the people in them are big the large retailers yeah, not the smaller ones, but yes, yeah, you know. So that's probably some sort of security there, but still. Look, I know that um, some stores are actually trialing online buying mm. to see whether it will work. Yeah. So if if a retail if customers are not coming, okay, we're going to really push the online stuff and see if that's going to be sustainable. But yeah, the mm. thing is, but a lot of people like to touch, smell, feel, yeah. that sort of stuff as well. So that will come back, but I, you know. I think right now you're right. I'm, I'm re commercial real estate. I'm not really a fan of right now. I think that's mm. going to be hit really, really hard. And, yeah. Um, but let's move on anyway. So okay. we got Jumbo Interactive for Ria. Now, awesome stock um, you brought up. I actually like looking at Jumbo Interactive. Ria says, "Can I get your views on Jumbo? It seems to be going up, but it's still too early. I had this stock last year, but sold out when it crashed." Look, this is one of the better ones at the mm. moment in terms of its move up. Really nice strong bar up on the monthly chart. Still, it's early though. Like, you know, there is no actual physical entry that I can see unless you could get a trend line tight in down there, but you just have, a, have mm. to have a good look. And, and the key with trend lines is to know the rules because you might think there's a trend there and you might think you can draw a trend line there, but quite often we find people have drawn lines where there just isn't a trend line. Don't you find that? I, I quite often see that on whether it's a, a YouTube post or it's a Facebook question or somebody says oh this has crossed the trend line and i can't see one there for love or money no mm. it's just it's simply because people have different rules you know we've got five six rules on trend lines most people have one mm. you know and people go you know how do Actually, you most how do you draw your trend lines see the starting point and think i can draw a line here and they just draw them anywhere they're yeah. not even proper lines i can teach you how to draw a trend line in two seconds just draw grab a, a ruler and draw a line across all the peaks or all the troughs that's a trend line but it's not an accurate one you know, to learn to do trend lines properly, that's what more than for half. buying and selling. You mean? Yeah, for yeah. buying and selling and trading properly, that takes us weeks and weeks to teach you how to mm. draw a trend line. We break it right down and and out. I think it's probably more than half of one of our modules. It's huge. It's it's got mm. more words in the section on trend lines than two or three of my books put together, mm -hmm. and charts and 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 graphs and how you do things and yep. all the finite things about making sure you're doing an accurate trend line to make you a better trader. Now I remember you talking mm. about trend lines, you know, many many moons ago, and mm. it was moving averages, and we looked at moving averages and trend lines, and you yourself did some big yeah. studies on that twice. Yeah, uh, with the moving averages and the trend lines to prove that the trend lines work better. Yeah. You wrote a number of articles on it. So, I mean, why is do you think that's the, one of the most important rules you can ever learn? Oh, look, I do think so. Trend lines are just so simple and uh, once you understand them, but they're so easy to profit on most markets. They keep you out of a lot of sideways move. They keep you out of volatile markets. They also stop you getting whipsawed in and out, which a lot of people do. They buy in and buy out, you know, especially with all those indicators. They're in and out. And the biggest thing I found was between moving averages and trend lines, proper trend lines, not rubbish ones that a lot of people deal with, um, is you traded less and made far more money. Mm. Now, I'd rather trade less and make more money than trade more and get frustrated yep. and make less money because you're getting in and out a lot more moving averages, even multiple moving averages. So it's about putting in the time and effort to look at reality or what mm -hmm. is actually happening and applying real skills to the marketplace. And a lot of people, as, as we talked about before with indicators, they just go, oh, these are on the charts that's saying buy. Oh, no, we've got divergence here. We've got convergence here. We've got this there. And it gets confusing for people. So to me, it's about simplifying. 
Mm. Really simple. The best traders have the most simple trading plan. It's easy to do. They don't spend a lot of time doing it. They don't spend a lot of time on their charts. They don't spend all day looking at computers. They really do. Yeah, once they've got the knowledge stuff. and the skill, yeah. but getting that knowledge is not mm. just going to be something you can do overnight. Mm. No, it's not. Mm. So let's get into the next one. Jared's asking about Maya. Okay. So I'll bring uh, Jared. So thanks, Ria, for that one. Jared's saying, Hi, Dale and Janine. What do you think of Maya? Share price at the moment. Is it a buy? I think I'd stay away from Maya. Okay, um, share prices that a buy. That's really an interesting comment to make. I think. How is it a buy? It's not even open, is it? Uh, yeah, I know. But look, look at the chart. Mm. I mean, it's just a few bars off the bottom. But look how far it's fallen, and this is really concerning for a lot of people. Now, I know that there was a person who I spoke to. This is some time ago, mm. and they made a. They looked at our direct equity managed account service. Now they made a decision to mm. go with a broker, and one of the things that the broker had done is picked a Meyer as mm. a stock for their portfolio along yeah. with other stocks and Meyer had lost it I think 30, 40 or 40 something percent at the time and so I said to her well, what's their strategy on being able to manage your risk and I, she couldn't tell me one because there wasn't one, there wasn't one on the downside and so that she was fully exposed so I, I'd hate to think what her portfolio would be like now because she had banks she had Meyer she had all sorts decimated. of other stocks here yeah, that have been going down so but that's a really good imp important point a lot of the, the industry and i'll talk about the broader industry diversify your portfolio into different sectors because what they say is that if one sector is going down another one will be going up and one will be going sideways so we balance out the ones going yeah. down with the ones going up and you'll get an average return so they're squashing volatility so they squash downside and upside mm. to get you that more average return of you know seven eight percent that's what but when the whole market for. falls, what then? But when the whole market falls, it just leaves people in the dust, like mm. we saw in the GFC. Now, that's what's happening at the moment. So, But like our philosophy is, is as long as you protect the downside, let the upside happen. Yeah. So really, people just want to own shares that are going up. So if we get out of them as they're going down, mm. that's the risk strategy is to protect capital. Yep. So... And that's really what we say to people all the time is why we push stop losses so much is you exit stocks that are falling, stay in stocks that are going up. Mm. And then your diversification is actually better um, yeah. because you're actively managing that, not passively mm. managing it. And, okay. and just set and forget doesn't really work, yeah. especially markets like now. So let's move on. So we've looked mm -hmm. at Maya. Let's, okay. let's, the next question we've got, um, we've done Maya for Jared Mossy saying, hi guys, do you have mentor or look up others to follow on YouTube or do you follow or who who did you do you follow growing up for the show I'm not really sure what the question is um, we I don't know how would you answer that who was my mentor growing up I wasn't a trader um, my I had lots of business people that were my mentors I, I sought out when I was very young somebody said to me Dale if you want to make a million dollars find a millionaire so that's what I did so I started trying to find people who were successful in, in their businesses and I'd knock on their doors. And I know, you know, when I was a slight little bit older, in my early 20s, I used to go to the Chamber of Commerce meetings, even though I didn't own a business, because that's where all the business people were. So these are the people that had money, they were driving fancy cars. And there's not one successful person that I didn't meet that wouldn't help you if you had the attitude. So that's what I did. Um, you know, people know that Wayne Berry, who passed away last year, was my one of my mentors as well. Um, but... I've had quite a few actually, and and you have different mentors for different times too. So uh, some mentors are good for certain times in your life. I don't know. Did you have any mentors? Oh, you're one of them. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. I actually have a a personal coach. Hmm. So I've I've worked with her for years. I think um, it would be at least it would be around ten years. Yeah. I've worked with her now. So it's about um, you know being really dedicated to yourself hmm. and wanting to improve yourself. I think. Yeah, I think that's the point is that successful people always are accountable to somebody else. And what I mean by that is they make themselves accountable for somebody else. Mm. So they talk, they, you have those mentors who say, this is what I'm going to do, this is who I am, these are my goals, and the mentor then helps them become accountable for it. Whereas most people don't like that accountability. Yeah. Um, and so then they don't achieve the things that they want to achieve. And I find that successful people always have mentors. You know, I've always had a mentor all the way through my life and people that I can pick up the phone and have a good chat with and mm. just say, blah, and then they go, okay, have a think through this and, and get yep. you to think clearly and objectively mm -hmm. to get your goals. And I think that's really critical. But it's, I think it's a great question. Yeah, it I really think when, when I started out, you know, I relied on you in the beginning mm. 
Um, but I think eventually what happens, and this is what I'm finding mm. with a lot of students that we mentor, eventually mm. they just go off and do their own thing and yeah. thing, and they're successful in their own right. Because and find what, another mentor. And then they might mentor other people and mm. hopefully that's how the world goes, goes around because mm. I know that's what you know we're seeing and that's what I do and I, I mm. even you know, offer to impart my wisdom to as many, to people if I can. If I can help someone, it doesn't matter whether it's about trading or something, yeah. you know, personal that they're dealing with, then, then I will because I see that's my duty as yeah. a person. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's why we have things like our Your Trading Mentor Program yeah. for the beginners because a lot of people don't, um, they don't, some people think, oh, I want to get in the stock market, but I don't really know how, but I don't want to go full in. I'm not sure how serious I am. I'm not sure I want to be a full-on trader. And that's I'm... so beneficial what you do. Mm. And, and a lot of people don't believe when I tell them that you're actually answering the I emails. Do, I answer them. every single email. Yeah, I am I the mentor and I answer mm. every single email for people and take them under my wing because in that early stages of the beginners, it's so important that you have a gentle touch. And sometimes I'm a bit rough on here, but I'm not on my trading mentors. Yes. You know, it's... Um, it's they really are, I won't say they're my babies, but they're people that I like to nurture and help and, mm -hmm. and move along. Now, obviously, I do challenge them at times too to think a bit more, but it really is about getting them a good start rather than a bad start. And, I, and I'd rather have somebody help somebody get a good start than pick up the pieces afterwards, mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes, you know, those pieces can be pretty bad. We've got to fix the, the losses so, that they've So had. are you going to take on, this is a big one for him, are you going to take on some more uh, students to mentor through the take on the diploma course this year? Um, not at the moment. I've got so much to do, so I may take mm -hmm. on a few more. I've got a few, you know, I've got 12 of them at the moment, and that's enough for me. So I may take on some more next year, but it's going to be first in, first Are any dressed. of them watching the show at the moment? Yeah, a couple of them are. Mm -hmm. um, okay. I've seen their names on here, but let's move on. Right. It's not about me, it's about them. So let's have a look. Um, John Granger's something. Hi, Dale and Janine. I have, a, I have put BHP onto my watch list, looking for an entry in the future. Do you have any views on the stock? Okay. Yeah. We like BHP. It should be on, I think, everybody's watch list, BHP and Rio. Looking at BHP long term, uh, I would say it's a bit of a question mark as to the direction. In theory, based on overall patterns, BHP should recover and go up. However, in the short term, there's a real risk of the bounce down. Could come back to hit uh, somewhere between 28 and uh, 29.50 in the short term. I'd expect that if we see a bit of a move up above uh, $34, then... I think there's a that would concern me more actually if it was stronger than um, what we've seen previously on the market. So let's have a look at the bottom to see what the rise is off the bottom at the moment. So it's actually pushed up about 31% off the recent low. Stocks will often do that off lows before we actually can confirm they've recovered. So we've seen one, two, three, four weeks up. This week's an inside bar. And if the if the stock takes out this low of the prior week, so the low of uh, that's $30.55. Then we know that the test of the low is coming in and that's what we're really waiting to see happen. But we can see some gaps on the upside up here. So eventually BHP looks like it should recover to there, but it's just a question of whether it's going to bounce down first before it starts to move back up there. At the moment, there are no rules to buy the stock. So that's what we're waiting for at the moment. Cool. Now, we've got so many questions here. I'm not going to get to them all on that. And that's what I said a little bit earlier, but mm -hmm. I know we've got time for one or two more. So let's look at Kogan. I've scrolled okay. down to William and he says, hi, Dale and Janine, if you guys um, have time, could you please look at Kogan? E-commerce yeah, um, e looks set to benefit from the time being. I'd love some exposure in this space. And um, good, good question. We haven't talked about Kogan for a long time. Actually. Yep. Kogan. CGN. CGN it is. There you go. Okay, there we go. There's the monthly chart there of Kogan on the left-hand side. And, and to any newbies that are there, we always look at the monthly chart first to establish the direction of any stock or market because it's the bigger picture. You could be looking at a very short space of t in time. And I know that a lot of people, when they're looking at their broker websites, the charts there, they might only be looking at really short term because that's where they're set up for default. But if you can, just pan back and have a look at the whole history. Now, there is a risk that Kogan could come back and take out this low here in March 2020 that it formed. But at the moment, it's not showing any signs of that. We've seen this really strong rise up. As I said, I'm not that excited about stocks that move right up to fill their gaps really strongly first because we need to wait and see the bounce back. But at the moment, Dale, it's looking really nice. It's probably one of the strongest stocks on the market. We've seen one, two, three, four five weeks up there so at the mm. moment still no entry to purchase the stock on the weekly chart or the monthly chart 
Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. But uh, I think I like the idea. Mm. I like the idea because Kogan is well-placed um, and being an Australian stock, and I think there's a lot more of a push to work with Australian companies and support Australians. So I think more people should be buying off Kogan rather than like an Amazon or an eBay. They should yep. be doing that. And obviously there's a big push on Australian products. Mm -hmm. I know there's a huge shift in um, online. I'm seeing it now, people saying, if you're going anywhere to buy anything, make sure it's Australian made because that's a big turn against China at yeah. this point in time. And that's just a worldwide thing at the moment. So mm -hmm. there's a whole show just on talking about supply chain and how things are going to change. And to me, that's where things are going to be interesting. Somebody's asked, said, said here, and I'll, I'll um, he says, hi guys, because you guys are so busy, perhaps a second show during the week is needed. No, that's not going to happen. Um, YouTube takes up a lot of our time and, and we do donate our time for free for the show. So, and we're happy to do that, but you're never going to get a second show out of Janine and I. Janine and I are, going to, are doing a second show, um, which I'll tell you about. I think I can tell them, tell them about that now, can I? But not for this is what but you're saying. not for YouTube. So, Because just before we finish up tonight, I really wanted to let you know what we've been doing. Um, and Well, this week, Janine and I will be launching another show. And we've used the title of our podcast for the show. It's going to be called Talking Wealth. Um, however, it will not be on YouTube. So we're getting right off YouTube for that show. We're quite happy to continue on doing this show in its current format. So we're not going to cancel this show. Um, the show is going to be launched on a new streaming service in the United States. And the streaming service is called Flix, F-L-I-X. X. Now, Janine and I will be interviewing some very interesting people and giving you the thoughts as we talk about all things wealth. Now, tomorrow morning, Janine and I are doing two interviews. One of them is with a guy who was on the NASDAQ, high up in the NASDAQ. He's been into all sorts of things to do with Wall Street. He actually lives like around the corner from Wall Street. So um, we'll be having a big chat with him and we'll also be chatting with Jim Beach in a different way. We'll be chatting with other people who are on Wall Street as well to give you our thoughts. And about now, some people might not version. know who Jim Beach is. No, Jim Beach is, I every Monday my market US market report is with Jim Beach. He interviews me, which goes 25 stations across the US, but um, he allows me to record it, put it up on YouTube for everybody to see. Um, so we do have business partners in the US and that's really, they're wanting me over there and they're wanting us to do a whole lot with them. But I've said, I've still got to do stuff for Australia. This is my home and we're still, we are 100% focused on continuing this show and there is no chance of us stopping this show at this point in time. But um, we should see, uh, you should see our first show on Flix or our first Talking Well show on Flix in, in the next week. So um, I'm, I'm sure we'll let you know when it goes live in our e-news. So if you haven't subscribed to our e-news, get on our website and subscribe to the e-news. That way you'll know what we're doing. You'll see our articles uh, and we'll tell you about um, what we're doing on Flix as well. But right now it is the end of tonight's show and I hope you've enjoyed it and thank you for participating. If you have a topic that you'd like us to be discussing, send in your ideas and we'll look at it for upcoming shows. Now I've got one today that I discussed with Jelena. Sounds like an interesting topic. Are we going to tell them about it? No. Okay. I knew he was going to say that. Now, if you'd like to see the show continue to grow, then remember to share it on your social media with your friends and colleagues. And also remember to make sure you put this show into your calendar as we'll be back right here on YouTube Live every Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. As always, we're happy to receive your questions. So send them to info at wealthwithin.com.au and just type Wealth Within Live into that subject line. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. And again, we really hope you enjoyed tonight's show as always thank you for joining us and we hope to see you again next week for now goodbye good luck and good trading stay safe everyone thanks for listening this podcast is brought to you by wealth within a global leader in stock market education for more information on our courses or to listen to more talking wealth podcast head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the talking wealth podcast under the learning center 